0: I don't know what uh, you did during this season Uh, uh, last year. Sabi ni Pean kanina, ito yung start ng kanyang uh, work from home. So, uh, and it seems like what we have been hearing, and siyempre, we we don't have to take it as it is. Uh, There are a lot of factors involved. But it seems like we're back to to square one. Uh, And so we need a lot of prayer and we need a lot of, time to process all of these things like i said i know i don't know how you handled uh, this pandemic season uh, for a full year uh, and but one of the things that i did unsuccessfully i was unsuccessful in following through this i admit because you know we have been not just because of the pandemic but you know this 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 whole year i i I just see and sense, and, and Julie and I talked about this. There's just so many people who died this whole year, right? This one full year, uh, whether it's uh, COVID or, or heart attack or um, you know, a severe case of depression or uh, an accident. Uh, there's just so many people I know uh, personally who, who died. Like just going through Facebook, like every week, someone will say uh, that someone died. So, what I did was, I sort of list down the names of the people I know. Uh, I listed down the names of those who died uh, during this pandemic season. Uh, so, I wrote down the name of uh, Ryan's dad. Uh, Sir Ryan Ikatar, he shared, uh, he and Tyreen shared uh, their testimony a couple of weeks back. I wrote down the name of Titanelin. Uh, she joined our our online worship service at one point. Uh, I wrote down the name of uh, a coworker in Breadcom, Si Atileti and Sina, and and a pastor from CRC Church who's actually studying in in ATS. Uh, the last time I saw him, he was an aw- awarded with uh, a full scholarship with with ATS. That's the last time I I saw him. Uh, and, and so, unsuccessfully, I I stopped doing that. Maybe out of laziness or I just felt like uh it's not helping me process anyway. Uh so I really forgot about uh about that list. Uh but you know the if I'm going to write the the down the names uh, even now, maybe the list will just keep going. And this week has been a tough week, uh, to be honest. I, I remember telling you that uh when I moved to Makati, deba right? I moved to Makati uh, in my early twenties. Uh that's close to 20 years now. Uh, I I moved into a second, uh, a two-bedroom apartment, but I didn't move uh, on my own. Uh, I was with two college friends. Uh, And one of those friends, uh, his name is Ryan. So Ryan is a college friend, uh, also a housemate now in Makati. He's also my office mate. Magkasama kami sa sa work, uh, different uh, department, but we we go to the same company. And I just learned uh, this week that he died. Uh, and it's sad because I just learned of his passing from another friend. And when we were in Makati, this was a time uh, like I shared to to all of you. I was this was a time that I was wandering in my faith, and uh, I I really felt bad because I was not able to catch up with him. I was unable to uh, to share the gospel with him. Um, it's it's just really uh, devastating to to hear a uh, uh, news like that. But because it's been a constant thing now, well, it's something that you are no longer surprised when someone on Facebook or social media will just change their profile picture with just a black uh, background and that's it. And you know you know already what happened. Uh, and and the, the danger is that you get desensitized uh, with, with what's happening. And so uh, in this season of, a difficulty, where, where suffering and, and death really seems to be normal, uh, what we need, what we need is a good friend. We need a good friend. And as we continue to, to look into uh, the Gospel of John in the series of Close Encounter, that's what we see. So I hope that we see uh, in this passage that Jesus is that good friend that we all need. So what was read to us earlier is really the meat of our passage today, uh, the middle of a very long chapter. Uh, but here, uh, we will look at not just that, the meat of that story, but really the whole chapter and see how the story unfolds. So I would encourage you to, to keep your Bibles open on that whole chapter as we go along. Um, and this encounter uh, with Jesus, uh, with a dead Lazarus, that was raised to life, is unique to this gospel of John. You don't see it anywhere else. Okay? Also, this is very public. What you notice as we progress in the gospel of John, yung uh, audience uh, is changing as we go along from a very private conversation with Nicodemus and very intimate conversation with the Samaritan woman, and then uh, we didn't go through it, Uh, uh, in chapter 11, uh, Jesus healed a blind man. So it's becoming more and more public. This did not happen in secret. So many witnesses, uh, not just the disciples, saw uh, what happened, uh, saw the resurrection of Lazarus. And even at the crowd, there are maybe curious people, skeptics, and even Pharisees. So in this very public spectacle, you know, Jesus is drawing the line. He is making a, a big stand. Uh, whatever happens here will have a a big in, impact in you know in his ministry as he moves along in the movement that he is trying to do. So I hope that what we get from this unique uh, close encounter, aside from uh, the greatness of our friend Lord Jesus Christ uh, being revealed publicly, I hope that we see. You know how he helps us with the reality. Number one, the reality of suffering, the necessity of grief, and the means to a restored or resurrected life. So again, those are the three sections that we will look at today. How Jesus, our good friend, uh, is helping us from you know the reality of suffering, the necessity of grief, and the means to a restored or resurrected life. Okay, so keep that, those three things in mind, suffering, grief, and life. I think at this point uh, in this pandemic season, we can all agree that suffering is a universal experience. Won't you agree that, that suffering is a universal experience? It doesn't matter whether you're young and old or uh, healthy or sick, uh, caucasian asian uh whether you're religious or not suffering is a universal experience and this is universal even to many belief systems uh there's actually a, a, a buddhist or hinduism con- uh concept of uh the word dukkha there's a word dukkha yung ano yung uh, it sounds like talag- tagalog right ano an, ano ang dukha sa tagalog uh, ano yun, ang ang dukha? it means Mahirap, di ba? Mahirap. Uh, but really, dukkha in, in that concept, it's a Buddhist concept of pain, unhappiness, suffering. And so the approach uh, in that is to, to alleviate yourself from that kind of uh, experience. So like I said, suffering is a universal experience. Everyone experiences suffering, even those whom Jesus loves, even the Christians, even the faithful ones, especially the faithful ones. Look at how uh, the the story started. Now, a certain man was ill. His name is Lazarus from Bethany. He had sisters Mary and Martha. We are familiar with them. Uh, It was Mary who anointed uh, the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with hair, whose brother Lazarus was ill. So we are introduced with this family who lives in Bethany. Uh, with two sisters, two sisters and a brother, uh, the gos- the other gospels mention them, this family. Uh, so they seem to be really close to 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 Jesus. In fact, you know we are familiar with uh, with Mary because in verse two, uh, John the writer is putting a, a commentary of something that has not happened yet. Okay, so in uh, in this story. Uh Mary anointing Jesus's feet will happen on the following chapter pa. Pero sinabi niya na dito because maybe the story at that time is really famous. So he parang nag-advance na siya ng uh, commentary in a way. So this family, it seems, is not just an acquaintance of Jesus. They are not just ministry supporters. They are really, really good friends with Jesus. In fact, yung message nung, nung sisters... Uh, to Jesus was this lord in verse 3 he whom you love is ill so it seems like even those who are faithful in the ministry even those who are close to jesus even those whom jesus love will experience suffering and so i hope that we will see that you know at this point being a christian does not exempt us from the difficulties of life. And because suffering is a universal experience, rin tayo mag arrive in the same conclusion with an atheist, a secular, uh, a Buddhist, a Muslim. Uh, we can arrive in the same conclusion that there is something wrong with this world. We can all agree with that. If we take an honest, objective look Uh, at the world around us, and even at the heart within us, we know that there is something that is not right. Where we see the difference, yes, we all agree that there is something wrong with this world. Where we see the difference is how we will form a worldview based on that conclusion. Right. So ang conclusion natin, there's something wrong with this world. So ano yung magiging worldview natin based on that? And that's where... You know we can see two major fork in the road. Naglaga separate. One, you can say because uh, there's something wrong in this world that you might say this is all there is because there is something wrong with this world. When you die, that's it. Okay. Or you might say because there is something wrong in this uh, in this life. Maybe there is something more that I do not see, okay? If your v- worldview is the first one when you say this is all there is, that when you die, that's it, at best, you will make the most of your life that you have right now. That's the good thing. In Union Positive, you will make the most because you see uh, there's nothing else uh, to look forward to when I die, so I'll just make the most of everything I will enjoy uh, every moment of my life right now. Your mantra will be YOLO. You only live once. So you get as much experience as you can. You travel to places you uh, you can go to. Uh, you help uh, every people along the way. You don't hoard possession because you cannot bring it to, uh, to the afterlife anyway. Uh, you give the best, you know, you 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 be you become the best employee, uh, the best friend, the best uh, husband or wife, the best student because you only live once. When I die, that's it. So I'll make the most out of this. But the problem is that may be more ideal if you have the resources to make that happen. Maybe if you're rich, that will work for you. Maybe if you're young and you have years ahead of you, if you are already immune with COVID, maybe that works for you. Maybe if your family is secured, that works for you. If you are physically healthy, that works for you. But for someone who spent his life on a wheelchair, he will never, in this worldview, he will never experience running again. For an innocent man, who was wrongfully accused and is uh, rotting in prison, when he dies, he will never see justice. For a lady who is chronically depressed, she will die with a dark cloud over her soul. For a poor family who is just trying their best to, to put food on their table every day, every meal, they will never enjoy great food ever if this is the kind of worldview that you will have. So basically what I'm saying, you know, this worldview works for a a very limited uh, number of people who have opportunities. So because our experiences and our circumstances and our opportunities are not the same, not many of us are rich, not many of us are healthy, not many of us uh, have secured family life, it makes more sense to believe that there is more to this life. There is more to this life. And if uh, someone will tell you that's a, a, a cowardly a cowardly way to live, you know, this is not escapism. We are not escaping the reality. We just believe that there is a far greater reality beyond what we can see. Actually, this is a courageous act on hope because you are anchoring your view, your hope, on something that is really beyond your control. Yes, it will seem illogical and sometimes maybe even crazy, but that will look like that until you realize that this hope is anchored on someone who is literally the best proof that there's more to this life. So. Friends, we need to make a decision. We we need to make a decision, you and I, whether our life will be shaped by either a worldview that says there is nothing beyond this life. And sadly, even those who profess they are Christians live like there is nothing beyond this life. There's no excitement uh, for eternity. Or your life, your actions, your, your words, your decisions, will be shaped by a worldview that believes and hopes that God has placed eternity in the heart of every man. So, Pastor, kung naman lahat, if everyone suffers anyway, what's the point of being a Christian? If I don't get exempted from all these difficulties when I follow Jesus, when I give my tithes, when I do the right thing at work and everyone else is... You know, doing the worldly thing. What's the point of me being a Christian? You know, the answer to that is found in the statement of Jesus in our text. Look at verse 4. Jesus says, when he learned about uh, Lazarus, whom he loved, is ill, is suffering. He said, this illness does not lead to death. It is for the glory of God, so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. What is Jesus talking about here? What is he talking about? Lazarus died, right? We know the story. Lazarus died. What's worse is he delayed his coming, and so Lazarus died. When Jesus arrived in Bethany, and as we see in the story, Lazarus was already dead for four days. So what is Jesus talking about? From a human perspective, Jesus was not only late, he was intentionally late. He said, when he learned about uh, Lazarus' Lazarus's, uh, sickness, he said, Let's just stay for a couple more days. Would you want to hear that from your friend? So, in that case, nagkamali basi Jesus when he said that this sickness will not lead to death? Yes, there is death in the story. That is true. But what Jesus is saying, this is not the end of the story. Yes, there is death, but that's not the end of the story. Brothers and sisters, that's the hope that we have in our Christian faith. Yes, we will still suffer. Yes, there will be death from our loved ones, even ourselves. But death is not the end of the story. Death does not have the final word over your life. Virus does not have the final word over your life. Yes, you can catch it, but it is not the end of your story. And so while we live in this broken world, yes, we must accept that we are still susceptible to suffering, to difficulties, you know, grieving, is the healthy and sometimes necessary response uh, in this season. Grieving is is beautiful and necessary and healthy. And that's what we see uh, in how Martha uh, and Mary and and the community and even Jesus did. They grieved. So uh, I, I think some of you are familiar with the story of Mary and Martha. They are known uh, in another story that focuses on, you know, ministry priorities, si Marta yung uh, punong abala nagasikaso ng mga kakailanganin kasi bisita nila si Jesus and na uh, Mary is the uh, the opposite one who's just enjoying uh, the presence of Jesus. In this story as well, we see these sisters, the the two sisters, showing us distinct ways on how they grieved. And we also see how the Lord addressed them uniquely in their time of grief. Okay, so mag rin yung approach ni Jesus when he addressed uh, their their grieving. Okay, but before we talk about how Jesus addressed their grief, let me just first say uh, what Jesus did not do. Okay, Jesus did not do this. He did not say stop it. Don't grieve. That's not healthy. Badian. Allah. <laughs> he did not say that. He did not warn them to, to, to not grieve. So that should give you, you know, space to to, uh, to grieve. He graciously gave them that space that they needed uh, to mourn, to grieve the death of their brother. And let's look at how now Jesus dealt with, Mary, um, with Martha first and then Mary in their grieving process. I'll, I'll pick up the passage in verse 20. This is how uh, we see uh, Jesus address Martha's uh, grieving. Verse 20, so when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went and met him, but Mary remained seated in the house. Mary said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, Do you believe this? And Martha said to Jesus, Yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who is coming into the world. You know, Martha knows her theology. She has a good grasp of eschatology. And so that's a big word for for some of you. That just means, you know, doctrine of the last things. And so what Jesus said to her it's really not a rebuke, but an affirmation. Jesus is saying, you know, Martha, you are on the right path. That's, that's a good doctrine, Martha. But at the end of that path is me. I am the point of your eschatology. I am the point of your theology. You find comfort not in the concept of the resurrection. You find comfort in me because I am the resurrection in the life, and we can learn from Martha here. We we need to have a good grasp of, of doctrine that will help us function uh, and process our grief well. Uh, siguro kung walang uh, good grasp ng theology and doctrine si si Martha. Baka hindi na niya kayang magfunction in this time of grief. Baka tulalana lang siya. But because she understands uh, what resurrection means and who Jesus is, uh, that helped her. And this is why I would really encourage all of us to, to really learn, to have a good understanding of the essential truths of the Christian faith. Let's, we need to have an understanding of who God is, about the Trinity, about the scripture, about the church, about our salvation, even, uh, you know, about the end times Uh, and and, uh, any other big ticket uh, themes in in our theology. And uh, our creeds, our confession, our statement of faith, those are really helpful uh, handles to give us some structure uh, when our world is shaken by tragedy. That's why we have catechism. Uh, We have the Heidelberg Catechism. We have now contemporary uh, New City Catechism uh, that is available for kids and adults. And I would encourage the parents here uh, to to catechize your children, uh, to to teach them. That's just essentially what what catechism means. It's just a system of learning. We need to do that. Parents, we need to do that because really, the, the children are being catechized by the world. Without any effort, the children are being catechized by the world. So, if we don't catechize them with our uh, Christian faith, uh, they will be—they might be lost. Let me just uh, give a, a quick, funny, tragic story—a personal story. Did you know that I almost died <laughs> doing something I really love doing? <laughs> and it happened on my wife's birthday. <laughs> I almost died scuba diving. So some of you know that uh, this is something that I really enjoy. Uh, I, I, I love doing. I look forward to it. Uh, and, and this happened on, on Julie's birthday. Uh, we went scuba diving somewhere. So, I think this is the our first dive of the day. Uh, when we went uh, down underwater about uh, 30 40 feet now, uh, I noticed yung yung aking air air tank uh is is quite unusual. Yung yung breathing ko uh is is it's difficult to breathe, parang uh, humihinga sa straw. Yun union yun description. Tapos yung yung gauge ng aking uh tank, wonky talaga siya gumaga gumaga noon. Uh it turns out that my tank was only slightly open. Obviously dapat your tank is completely open uh, so that you can enjoy the 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 full uh, air that you have. But my tank is just slightly open. So nakung a pintuan nakabukas lang yung konti nakikita mo lang yung loob pero hindi ka makapasok. That's that's basically it. that's the reason why I can't breathe. Normally, So uh, when I realized that, I went near to Julie, uh, signaled her that my tank is is closed. I don't have any air anymore. Could you open it? She turned it the other way, completely closing the tank. But I'm not uh, uh, throwing my, my wife under the bus right now. That may seem scary, really, but actually, it's easily solvable. Yung ganong problem, it's easily solvable if I just follow my training. The problem was, it's really not the fault of my wife. Uh, The problem was, I forgot my training. Instead of doing what I'm supposed to do, there are a lot of things that I can do at that time. I forgot all of those. I panicked. I panicked and I... Uh, went up uh, on the surface when I was uh, about, I think it was about 50, 40 to 50 feet. And and that's cl- uh, close to being fatal when you shoot up uh, on the surface like that when you're scuba diving. That's a really no-no. So I almost killed myself for pa- uh, because I panicked, because I forgot my training. Friends are creeds and confession are are are... Uh, our doctrine uh, studying essential truths uh, in our in our faith will help us you know, will keep us from panicking it will give us a solid uh, structure so that we will not panic when our world is shaken when when covid strikes when we see different variants of the virus when when uh, supposedly christian leaders are falling left and right we don't We don't get shaken because we have a good handle of what we believe in. So remember your training. Continue with that training so that you will get used to it. But I hope that we will not be looking at our training as the end goal. The reason why we are repeating our creeds and confession, we recite them from time to time, and that's what we will do later on. But uh, reminding ourselves with that, training ourselves with that, uh, knowing the essential truths in the Bible is not the end goal. The end goal, the reason why we're doing training of doctrine and essential truths and creeds and confession, the end goal is to enjoy the point of the doctrine, and that is Jesus Christ. So you see, what Jesus is saying to Martha is, yes, Martha, your eschatology is good. Your theology is, is great. It's, it's in line. It's something that will help you uh, to function well, but let me make it more exciting. Your eschatology is good, but let me make it more exciting. And this is something that might be, Uh, be helpful for us to be excited with also the last things and not be worried. All the wrong things that you see now will be made right. The person on the wheelchair, the man waiting for justice, the lady suffering with depression, they will be made right. And all the things that you enjoy here now, the things that you see uh, and 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 find pleasure in you get to enjoy them in its purest form forever, and all those promises are right in front of Martha in its tangible form, in the form of Jesus Christ, her Lord. So when Martha needed in what Martha needed uh, in her grieving was an affirmation of what she believes. But more than that, what she needed was a fresh view of who God is, of who her Savior is. And that is far better than systematic theology. But in Mary, it was different. It was different. Look at verse 30, John 11. Would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping, the Jews who had and the Jews who had come with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in his spirit and greatly troubled, and he said, Where have you laid him? And they said to him, Lord, come and see. This is the shortest verse in the English Bible. Jesus wept. Did you notice something different here? Actually, Mary said something the same with Martha. She said the same thing. She said the same thing. Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. It's the same thing. The difference is she did not say anything else. But there was a lot of weeping. You know that saying that less is more? In this case, by saying less, Mary was actually giving more weight to those words. Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Pause. No rationalization. Let me paraphrase a little bit how heavy this this phrase really is. Lord, you were not here when I needed you the most. You know, the heart of a grieving person is honest. The heart of a grieving person is right there, out in the open, saying what needs to be said. Lord, sana kung nandito ka lang, hindi ito nangyari sa amin. Lord, where were you? You were not here when I needed you the most. And maybe some of you have felt that, but you were afraid to say those prayers. Maybe you even said those prayers out of anger, out of desperation, out of grief. And the Lord has heard you. You know what Jesus did with Mary that John eleven thirty five 35, the shortest verse that means a lot, that should mean a lot to us, Jesus wept. He cried with Mary. No correction, no rebuke, no affirmation, just plain weeping. I'm trying to imagine what this looks like. And if you're trying to imagine with me what this uh, weeping Jesus looks like, maybe just remember the time that you cried the hardest. Try to remember the time that you cried the hardest. You, you cried so hard that you cannot speak anymore. You're just grunting and, and groaning. And there are no more no more words coming out of your mouth. You're crying so hard that, you know, liquid is coming out of your eyes, your nose, your mouth, and it's everywhere. Uh, you If... For those who, are, who wear makeup when that happened, your, your makeup is just messed up. It's, it's literally an ugly cry. That's what it looks like. It's not a cinematic, you know, uh, left-eye teardrop. It's an ugly cry. That's how this weeping was happening. Hindi lang kasi Jesus wept. He was greatly troubled and grieved. So the community was crying. Mary was crying. Jesus was crying with them. And so that line from that song that we sang earlier, can we find a friend so faithful who will all our sorrows share? Jesus knows our every weakness. Take it to the Lord in prayer. He knows them, our weaknesses, our griefs, our sorrows, because he went through the same pain. He knows what grieving looks like and feels like because he's been there. He lost a friend. He, he, he heard a heavy uh, lament from, from a good friend in Mary. He experienced grief and mourning firsthand. And so when we see passages like Psalm 34, 18, that says, the Lord is close to the brokenhearted, and saves those who are crushed in spirit. I hope that you will imagine that he is not the unemotional uh, God who is just waiting for you to get over your grief. He is that God, he is that Lord who is grieving with you. So brothers and sisters, Mary's lament should give us that space to bring our honest prayers to the Lord, to ask the Lord questions. Lord, you know, in our times of grieving, that, that feeling of uh, abandonment or loneliness, please know that the Lord is grieving with you. But He will not leave us at that state of, of grieving. If He really is the resurrection and the life, then He has all the power to bring us back to life. And that's what he did with, with Lazarus. Let's end the, the story here. Uh, how we see a restored, resurrected life. Verse 38. Then Jesus still uh, deeply moved. Okay, He still uh, crushed in his spirit at this point. He came to the tomb. It was a cave and a stone lay against it. Jesus said, take away the stone. And Martha, as the, the functioning sister, uh, said, Lord, at this point, there will be an odor. Been, Lazarus has been dead for four days. And Jesus said to her, Did I not tell you that if you believe that you will see the glory of God? It's a name rebuke. So they took away the stone, and Jesus lifted his eyes and said, And he prayed, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I I knew that you always hear me, but I said this on the account of the people standing around, that they may believe that you sent me. When he said these things, he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The man who had died for four days already came out, his hands and feet bound with linen strips, his face wrapped with a cloth. And Jesus said to them, unbind him, unbind him. And let him go. I I want you to pay attention on the manner by which Lazarus was brought back to life. This is a really amazing uh, uh, experience. This is one of the signs that Jesus really is the Son of God. Look at how this happened. Number one, Jesus commanded for the stone covering the tomb to be removed. Jesus prayed to his Father in heaven. Jesus calls out Lazarus uh, with a loud voice out of the cave. And Jesus tells the people to unbind him and let him go. Do you notice something here? For Lazarus to be raised to life, for him to be alive again, Jesus must be the one making the moves. Because what can a dead person do? You know, I heard this podcast, the same question. What can a dead person do? And uh, the, the teacher said, uh, the student responded, nothing except stink. <laughs> That's all we can do. That's all a dead person can do. Nothing but Stink. You know, this is a glimpse here. What happened to Lazarus is a glimpse of our resurrected life. Jesus removes the obstacle to come to us. He calls us by name and calls us from our deadness and brings us to life. He unbinds us and sets us free from the bondage of sin so that we can live free and rejoice and and follow him completely. The only thing we contribute to our resurrected life is our deadness and our stink. So what do you think this raising back to life meant for the the family, for Martha and Mary and Lazarus? What do you think? Just let's, let's try to imagine what's going on after this. Obviously, because Lazarus was raised back to life, they will no longer grieve. Right? Wala ng grieving. The Lord resolves the grieving. They will obviously celebrate. The Passover is coming very soon in this story. Uh, And so they will celebrate the Passover complete. They will worship the Lord with gladness in their heart. They will be the top of the town. Just imagine, you know, if you are a neighbor or someone who knows Lazarus and you were at the funeral and you saw Lazarus died. You saw Lazarus being buried. And then you see Lazarus walking in the marketplace. How would you respond? Right? It's it's really mind-blowing and, and amazing how uh, the, the life now uh, uh, changed with Lazarus and Mary and Martha. But on the other hand, I want you to think about what this moment means for Jesus. What does this mean for Jesus? Well, for those who were present, the text says they believed in him. So some of the Jews who, were, who witnessed the resurrection of Lazarus believed in, uh, believed in him. But there is something else that happened here. And this is really the turning point in the story and even in the life of Jesus because this happened very publicly Uh, I want you to look with me to verse 47 onwards. Verse 47, chapter 11. So the chief priests and the Pharisees gathered the council and said, what are we to do for this man performs many signs? If we let him go on like this, everyone will believe in him uh, and the Romans will come and take away both our place and our nation. But one of them, Caiaphas, who was the high priest, priest of that year said to them you know nothing at all nor do you understand that pay attention to this that it is better for you that one man should die for the people not that the whole nation should perish he did not say this out of his own accord but being the high priest that year he prophesied that jesus would die for the nation not just for the nation but uh, also those to uh, also to gather into one the children of god who are scattered abroad look at this verse 53 so from that day on they made plans to put jesus to death what does this public spectacle public miracle sign meant for Jesus, for Jesus, raising Lazarus back to life became the turning point for his own death. When Jesus called Lazarus out from that tomb, that also meant Jesus is getting closer and closer to his own grave. And it's very ironic that the gospel came from a Pharisee named Caiaphas. That was, they intended harm on on Jesus. That uh, in this statement, in this passage, he has said that Jesus' death, the, the one that they are planning, is going to be a substitutionary death. That his death is necessary so that the nation and the children of God will not perish. It's better for him to die so that we will not perish. Look at that. You and I experienced the resurrected life because Jesus faced his own death so that no one else would perish. Lazarus was alive being resurrected by Jesus because that meant Jesus was meant to die on the cross. So again, you and I experience the resurrected life because Jesus faced his own death voluntarily so that no one else would perish. Indeed, just like that song that we sang earlier, what a friend we have in Jesus. He is the true friend who reveals to us what suffering really means. He is that true friend who gives us exactly what we need in times of grief. He will affirm us, show us who he really is. He is the point of our doctrine. And he is that true friend who brings us to life at the expense of his own life for us. And so just like what he said to his disciples, Greater love has no one than this. this. is John 15, verse 13. Greater love has no one than this, that someone laid down his life for his friends. Brothers and sisters, if you believe in Jesus, that he suffered and died for your sins, if you believe that Christ was raised from the dead, you too will experience the same resurrected life. And because Jesus is the resurrection and the life, there is no need for us to live our lives in misery, in complaining. There is no more need for us to live in fear because He is the resurrection and the life. And yes, we can do that even while we are suffering. We can do that even though we don't have the the job that we like. We can do that even though we we are going through a depression and grief, we can do that because Christ is the resurrection in our life. If Jesus is a great friend to us, then we can truly say, just like the song that we sang, it is well with my soul. Let me end with just a few lines from a really new contemporary hymn. Death was once my great opponent. Fear once had hold on me. But the son who died to save us rose that we would be free indeed. That's your friend. That's our friend. Let's come to the Lord in prayer. Father, thank you for sending your Son, Jesus Christ, to be our substitutionary death for the sins that we deserve, for being a true friend to us, who grieves with us, who affirms us with our faith, who shows us what suffering uh, means and comforts us that it is not the end but most importantly, gives us a resurrected life. Thank you for Jesus. I pray, Lord, that he will continually be be a good friend, that we will remember that he is a true friend to all of us. May we also be a good friend to those who are grieving and suffering today, and that way, may we show them who you are, Jesus Christ as the resurrection and the life. In Jesus' name, amen.